You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Auzu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. In the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. May the peace and blessing of Allah of Almighty be upon you all. Welcome again to another breakfast show. Uh, you are joined by myself. Tukir Ahmed Tanvir and here with me is Imam Farid Ahmed and uh, we have a great lineup for you today um, as you know the agenda of the show uh, we like to run down some of the uh, some of the main news uh, which is happening around the world and also with regards to the news with the MDA Muslim community and after that we'll be going into our two main topics uh, firstly we'll be discussing honeybee lifespans after 50% shorter today uh, so that will be our main topic that we'll be discussing one of our main segments. And the other topic we'll be discussing is limiting global warming can now preserve valuable fresh water resource. Uh, so, yeah, that's the, that's the lineup for, for our listeners today. Uh, we were just listening to a uh, a clip um, in, you know, where it was just uh, the treatment of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, towards neighbors. Because sometimes we play fillers in between and that was just such a beautiful uh, narration of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, that, uh, you know, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said that if you are cooking a dish uh, and refer to a Arab dish um, called broth, and he said that just put extra water in there just so you could share that love, share that food with your neighbors. And uh, this is some of the kind gestures you can do as a neighbor um, and certainly you know me personally growing up uh, Imam Farid I've personally seen um, you know my my Muslim friends their their mothers or you know the fathers um, actually distributing food amongst uh, their neighbors um, you know because of because of what the Holy Prophet peace be upon him said I mean you personally yourself I'm sure I'm sure Imam Farid that you've probably witnessed uh, a family member or someone you know they've, they've just cooked extra food and they've given it to neighbors right yeah it happens many times when we especially when we make some good stuff we do share it with the neighbors depending on their taste as well but most of the time it does happen so yeah acting upon this tradition of holy prophet peace be upon him is very good and plus it's good for the community as well it binds you together and uh, the main message is of peace as well and the thing is that we should care about each other and uh, plus is na- the neighbors doesn't mean the next door neighbor but someone said that it's 40 houses around you so it's quite a bit of you can say houses so obviously you can't cook for 40 houses but do care for your neighbor this is the point in this tradition absolutely um, so no, thank you very much for that um, and we're just moving now slowly towards the main news uh, but remember uh, if any of our listeners do want to get in touch with us they can do so by calling us on 0208 
687-7878 or they can tweet to us at Voice of Islam UK or for more information uh, you can go on our website on www.voiceofislam.co.uk uh, Yes, so if you can start off, start us off uh, Imam Farid with the weather please Oh yeah, so today they say that uh, today will be dry and sunny for mainland Many inland with uh, widespread frost and the potential for freezing fog to start wintry showers continuing in coastal areas of north and west. Cold and breezy. Tonight, well, tonight will be clear and cold for many inland with widespread frost and potential for freezing fog. Wintry showers continuing in the coastal areas of north and west and inland areas remain drier. That's the weather for you. Cold and, well... <laughs> what? So you watching the World Cup? What's the, what's the latest on the World Cup? Yeah, as far as the World Cup is concerned, big surprise again. Spain lost to Morocco. Morocco qualifying for the first time ever, if I'm not wrong, to for the quarterfinals. And penalties, well, they made. I don't know how to explain that, but four out of three out of three missed, and they scored three out of four. I mean, it was just a fantastic display of uh, of talent, right? Because personally, I've never seen a uh, Muslim country um, come that far, and even uh, you know, qualifying for the quarterfinals. Uh, if you t- look at uh, how some of the players took their penalties, uh, it was just an amazing display of talent, and I think everyone was uh, sort of taken back by you know how well. Morocco actually performed um, and I mean I, I guess uh, as the World Cup is happening in, in Qatar as well it's uh, and, and the Muslim country is also representing um, and going you know going into the quarterfinals you know it sort of is representing uh, the home country as well because being a Muslim country you know they're representing uh, all other Muslims you know even the Muslims there in in Qatar, so it's, I think it's just been a, a fantastic display uh, of of talent, um, and uh, as as all our listeners know, you know today uh, we have some of the main uh, big games from this quarterfinals. Uh, Croatia will be playing against Brazil at three, and uh, later on at seven, Netherlands will be playing against Argentina. Um, and the main matches: uh, Morocco versus uh, Portugal, which will be tomorrow. And also England versus France will be tomorrow yeah, our, main match. Our, our home country. So uh, hopefully, hopefully it's a, it's a good one. Um, so yeah, that's that's just the news with regards to the weather. Any any other news item or any anything else in particular you wanted to discuss? Just stumbled upon a news which is rather I don't know what to say. But anyways, it says that Elon Musk turns Twitter into hotel for staff. Now the news is that. BBC has been given photos of Twitter office space that has been converted into bedrooms with San Francisco. Authorities are probing as possible building code violation. One image shows a room with double bed including a wardrobe and slippers. An ex-worker said new Twitter boss Elon, Elon Musk has been staying at the headquarters since he bought the firm. He last month emailed a all Twitter staff saying that will be need uh, will be needed extremely hardcore to succeed. San Francisco Department of Building Inspection has confirmed it 
it is investigating investigating potential violation f following a complaint. Mr. Musk said that the city was attacking the companies for providing beds to tired com employees. In a row deleted tweet, Mr. Musk posted that he would work and sleep in the office until the URG is fixed. BBC has also been given the pictures of sofas at Twitter being used as beds. Another conference room has an alarm clock and picture over a made-up bed. And furthermore, it says that it looks like a hotel room, said one of the former workers. They were on this they went on to say that Mr. Musk uh, regularly sleeps at the Twitter headquarters at San Francisco. Twitter did not immediately respond to the request of, uh, for the comment from BBC. Last month, Mr. Musk, who completed his Twitter takeover in October, emailed all the staff at the company saying that he would need to work long hours at high intensity. Only potential performance will constitute a passing grade, he wrote. So this is, well, rather bizarre and funny thing to relate. Great. Thank you so much for that. And, you know, just as we do cover the current news of what is happening around the world, we also cover some of the news which is happening with regards to the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. And something in particular that uh, on a Friday morning we like to discuss is uh, the the meetings, uh, which is Holiness, Hazrat Mirza Masur Ahmed, head World Head of the Amdiya Muslim Community, the Fifth Caliph, uh, the the meetings he has with the members of the Amdiya Muslim Community around the world, and uh, this actually serves as as a great guidance for for all all of us. Uh, and as you know, His Holiness talks about key issues uh, with regards to Islam or or anything in particular with regards to a person's health. Um, but, you know, a lot of these guidance are very much beneficial to all of us. So we do like to um, go through some of these uh, press releases. And um, so this particular virtual sitting that His Holiness had, this is from Ahmadiyya uh, Press and Media Office. And this virtual sitting uh, conducted on the 27th of November 2022. And the world head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the fifth caliph, His Holiness, Hazrat Mirza Masur Ahmed held a virtual online meeting with members of uh, Ahmadiyya Muslim Children's Auxiliary Organization uh, from Ghana. And His Holiness presided the meeting from MTA Studios in Islamabad, Tilford. While this, the, um, the members, uh, they had joined the meeting virtually from MTA Wahab Adam Studios in Accra in Ghana. And following a formal session which began with the recitation of the Holy Quran, uh, the members had the opportunity to ask His Holiness a range of questions regarding their faith and contemporary issues. So one of the members asked His Holiness how children can develop good relationship with their parents, a very important question. And His Holiness said, and I quote, that your parents always want good for you and they do not want anything bad for you. So whenever they give you any advice or they ask you to do something that is for your good so you should obey them and if they ask you to do to go to school and study hard and get good marks this is for your betterment and if they ask you when you come back home that uh, you complete your homework first then it is it is for your good 
then if they ask you to keep yourself clean it will benefit you because this is how you can have good health and if if they ask you to offer your five daily prayers then it is for the betterment of your spiritual level so you will get closer to Allah the Almighty in this way and I'll always think that your parents are the people who are the best in the world and who love you and who care for you and who desire good for you so always obey them and such a beautiful message from His Holiness that you know you should always listen to your parents um, in you know everything everything good they want for you and you should obey them and uh, you know, if we if we look at the teachings of the Holy Quran, there is great emphasis laid on uh, doing the uh, you know the upbringing of of your children, and one such incident comes into my mind. Um, Imam Farid is the incident of which the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, used to mention uh, at quite at some occasion. Then he used to narrate a story of a relationship between a mother and her son. And the and the story is that the 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 child when the child was growing up, he whenever he did something bad he stole, um, and other people they complained to the mother that your son is stealing, he is uh, committing a crime. Please stop him. She would always protect her son and say that you know, uh, he has done nothing wrong, and she was very soft on him. And the story goes that uh, he did this on a continuous basis. And his mother always, you know, covered his faults and she never told him off that, you know, you've done something wrong. And it's, it is narrated that that child, uh, it grew up, uh, he grew up to a young adult and he became a criminal, a murderer. A, a murderer. And so uh, ultimately he was uh, sentenced, sentenced to death. And in the court, uh, when when they asked him if he has any last wish or any dying wish he said that yeah I, I wish to speak with my mother and uh, so so they gave him this wish and his mother approached him and he said that I want to kiss your tongue that, that's that's what he said and uh, so the mother then you know re she reached out her tongue to the to the son and he he it says that it is narrated that he rips the tongue out of the mother and everyone is shocked as to what this uh, what this uh, person has done and to this he says that uh, you know every time I did something bad or I committed I committed a, a sin you know my, my mother she would always be very soft-hearted with me and uh, she would always cover my cover my faults um, and until you know and and it made me do more and more evil acts uh, and, you know, he said that had my mother told me off, had she guided me that, you know, this is wrong, then I wouldn't be what I am today. So the, the moral of the story uh, is very beautiful message that even when it comes to parenting, you know, you should be what is wrong, uh, you know, what 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 is wrong in the society, what what is morally incorrect. You know, you should teach your children that this is wrong and this is right. And uh, when it comes to the upbringing of the child, you know, we should uh, do our utmost in this regard. I mean, there's there's even a, a question and answer session of the fourth caliph, Hazrat Mirza Tahir Ahmed, may Allah have mercy on him, in which he says that, uh, you know, even if you look at the animal kingdom, uh, when it comes to, let's say, for example, a bird, whenever the, the mother lays the egg, you know, both 
the parents they take turns in looking after the egg and protecting the egg um so even in the animal kingdom we see that it is not just the mother's responsibility but also the father both have to play their part their role in upbringing the child so yeah i just wanted to mention that um another uh another uh, question which was asked in this virtual mulaqat was uh, what islam says about applying makeup nail polish and braiding hair and wearing wigs and to this is holiness he said and i quote that islam says that you can wear makeup but always remember that there are some other duties of a muslim you have to offer your daily prayers and when the time of prayer comes then you should not bother that you are wearing makeup that you should not perform ablution you should do ablution and offer your prayers and you should not bother about your makeup then and if only care for your makeup and leave your prayers and you do not fulfill all the requirements which are needed in prayer then you are committing a sin you are doing wrong otherwise there is no harm in doing makeup you can also use nail polish and if you cover your nails uh, so there is no place between the nails and the nail polish so you can perform your ablution with nail polish there is no harm in it and also the way african women braid their hair there is no harm in it and using the wigs also there is no harm in it and so islam permits all these things but with the condition that it should not stop you or hinder you from offering your daily prayers or worshiping allah the almighty so a very beautiful answer that his holiness gave um and this was um the virtual sitting his holiness had on the 27th of november 2022 um with the uh, with members of the amdia muslim children's auxiliary from ghana um and uh, if you do want to read more on this you can go on pressamdia.com or you can also go on mta news on their youtube channel in which they upload snippets of these virtual mulaqats uh of these virtual meetings is only as has with the member of the amdia muslim community around the world so do do see that uh, it's a great work that they are doing um i mean manfred we are talking about we were talking about education just earlier uh tell us a bit about your role what are you uh, where are you serving as because i know you uh, deal with children on a daily basis so please do tell us about that oh yeah so i currently work in noor academy and the idea of the institution is that people in far off places in in you can say not in just england but in the whole of uk who have no you can say um, the mosque is far away or even if they if they cannot go to the school after the tuition center after the school so we provide uh, the students with uh, obviously religious education as well for the people who are far off places and plus the secular education as well so the subjects include english maths uh, science biology physics a level subjects as well so uh, the idea is that we could serve a lot of people and it's free of cost as well so it helps uh, people to join in and more and more people are coming day by day so it's very good and uh, it's online so you need don't even have to go to somewhere just at the comfort of your house you can join in and the other thing is that this is this starts from 5 p.m. In, um, all the way down to 9 p.m. so it's four hours of 
around about six or seven classes a day. But one, you can say, uh, children can one child can only attend one class once a week. So it's you can have more than one classes a week, but one particular class will be once a week. So it's ten week term and ten classes. But it's you know, the numbers are slowly growing because people find it very helpful and obviously it's free of cost so they join in and uh, by the grace of Allah we are serving the people Great and uh, what's the age group for, for the students? Oh, yeah, The age group for students is from 7 up until I think 19 so the A level I think maybe 20 as well so because some I think some I know some people are 20 years old as well in the A level, so I think max is 7 to 20. Yeah. Okay, and, uh, the, and is it just religious subjects or what sort of subjects uh, are taught in, the, in these classes? So as far as religion is concerned, it's Islam mainly and uh, the other subjects are mainly English, Maths, Science, which is Physics and Biology, Chemistry as well, recently added, and a language as well, French and Urdu and Arabic. So it's, you can say, a diverse city of subjects offered. I think seven to eight subjects are offered, different subjects are offered. Mm. And plus the key stage three, four, and A level as well. So we just recently added key stage two as well, planning on expanding it for the children who are um, not even in secondary school. Okay, great, that's, that's very, very great work. Um, so yeah that that's the news hour for from us here today um don't go anywhere though we'll be coming back after the break and we will be looking at the topic of honeybee lifespans for our 50 percent shorter today so that's the main topic we'll be discussing right after the news um so don't go anywhere You're listening to The Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Al-Qadr The powerful. The one who has both power and authority over all his creatures. It is Allah who created you in a state of weakness. And after weakness gave strength, then after strength caused weakness and old age. He creates what he pleases. He is the all-knowing, the all-powerful. عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم انظروا إلى من أسفل منكم ولا تنظروا إلى من هو فوقكم فهو أجدر أن لا تزدروا نعمة الله. Hazrat Abu Hurairah narrates that the Holy Prophet stated, Look upon those who stand at a lower level than you, but do not look upon those who stand at a higher level than you, for this would make the favours of Allah insignificant in your eyes. Good 
Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Welcome back to the Breakfast Show. You are joined by myself, Tokiram Tanvir, and Imam Farid here in the studio of Voice of Islam. And we're discussing our first topic. We're looking at honeybee lifespans uh, are fifty percent shorter today. So, what is the gist of the story? So, it says that a drop in uh, longevity for lab-kept honeybees could ex- help explain colony uh, losses and lower honey production in recent decades. And a new study by University of Maryland uh, anthropologist shows that the lifespan for individual honeybees keep in a controlled laboratory environment in its 50% and shorter than it was in the 1970s. And when scientists modeled the effect of today's shorter lifespans, the result corresponded with the increased colony loss and reduced honey production trends seen by the U.S. beekeepers in recent decades. So, you know, if, um, for this topic, if any of our listeners do want to uh, contribute, they can definitely do so by calling us on 0208-687-7878 or you can even tweet to us at Voice of Islam UK. So, Imam Farid, um, if, you could, uh, if you could dwell more deeper into this subject, what is the findings, please? Uh, yeah, so, it says that uh, the colony turnover is expected an ex- ex- expected uh, accepted factor in beekeeping business as bee colonies naturally age and die off but over the past decade us beekeepers have reported high loss rates which has meant having to replace more colonies to keep operations w- viable in an effort to understand why researchers have focused on environmental stressors diseases parasites pesticides exposure and nutrition this is the first study to show that overall decline in honeybee lifespan potentially independent of environmental stressors, hinting that genetically may be influencing the broader trends seen in the beekeeping industry. So it says furthermore that the study was published on November 14, 2022 in the journal Scientific Reports. Nierman first noticed the decline in lifespan while con- conducting a study with entomology associate Professor Dennis on standardized protocols for f- rearing adult bees in laboratory. Replicating earlier studies, the researchers collected bee pupae from honeybee hives when the pupae were within 24 hours of emerging from the wax cells they are reared in. They, the collected bees finished growing in an incubator and were then kept as adults in special cages. Neyman was evaluating the effect of supplementing the caged bees 
sugar sugar water diet with plain water to better mimic the natural conditions when he noticed that regardless of the diet the median lifespan of the of his caged bees would half that caged bees in similar experiment in 1970s so 17.7 days today versus 34.3 days in 1970s this prompted a deeper review of published published lab, laboratory studies over the past 50 years although a laboratory experiment is very difficult f- from for from a colony historical records of lab kept bees suggest similar lifespan of colony bees and scientific scien- scientists generally assume that isolated factors are that reduce lifespan in one environment will reduce it another previous studies had also shown that in the real world shorter honeybee sp- lifespans corresponded to less foraging time and lower honey production this is first study to connect those factors to colony turnover rates furthermore it says that when the team modeled the effect of 50% reduction in lifespan on on bee keeping operation where lost colonies are replaced annually the resulting loss rates were around 33% it is very similar to the average overwinter and annual loss rates of 30% and 40% reported by the beekeepers in over past 14 years nirman and the other person noted that their lab kept bees could be experiencing some sort of low level viral contamination or pesticide exposure during their larval stage larval stage when they are brooding in hive the worker bees are feeding them the bee, but the bees have not shown overt symptoms of those exposures and a genetic component to longevity has been shown in other insects such as fruit flies so this is the gist of the story great thank you for that uh, i've just received a comment from uh, one of our main listeners um kb he knows he knows who he is and uh, he goes uh, he gives the feedback excellent show sounds like a buzzing show <laughs> so that's the that's the feedback he yeah. gave thank you for always uh, his kind feedback uh, gets us going so uh, yeah so that was uh, thank you for that just to the story we actually do have a recording as well for our listeners and this t- this is dr shona blair um and uh, you know let, let's let's listen to what she has to say on this particular subject dr shona blair so dr shona blair is a microbiologist who has been investigating the uh, medicinal properties of honey for over 20 years she has focused on a number of areas including on the activity of manuka honeys from australia and new zealand studies into the antimicrobial activity of honey against anti Uh, antibiotic resistant germs uh, known as superbugs its wound healing properties finding more honeys with exceptional antimicrobial activity and investigating the effects of honey on human gut health she is currently the head of research strategy strategy at imperial college london so with this i would like to give a warm welcome to uh, dr shona blair thank you very much for joining 
Hello, I can hear you. Can you hear yes, me? Yes, 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 yeah. we can we can hear you. We can hear you. <laughs> How are you doing? Um very well, thank you. And and good morning and thanks for having me. Uh th- thank you for uh joining us today, uh doctor. So um if uh, uh, please call me Shona. Oh, Shona. Okay. <laughs> uh, so um so Shona, um if if I may, um yep. the first question uh, we'd like to ask you is um um the history of uh, honey is a long and fascinating one most early civilizations regarded honeybees and honey as sacred but how exactly did this notion come into existence it's quite amazing actually there's a, as you say a very long history of humans viewing bees and honey and everything to do with that as uh, either magical or sacred or religious or medicinal and pretty much every culture that had access to honey seems to have held it in very high regard. We've even got, um, for example, cave paintings dated to sort of more than 10,000 years ago, found in parts of, um, for example, Africa and Europe. Mm-hmm. And um, sorry, I'm getting an echo and I'm, <laughs> I can hear myself two seconds later. Um, but we, we think that because we know honeybees have been around for much longer than humans, so we've always had access to it. And in fact, even lots of animals try and hunt honey and, and sort of put up with the stings to get at it. And that's because it, probably because not only it's an incredibly sweet treat, very mm-hmm. high in carbohydrates, which would have been quite rare before we had you know modern processed sugars and things like that. But also we think that that, that that boost of energy and some of the other properties of honey made it very, very valuable to lots of different cultures. And it does have medicinal properties, so probably that's held on as well. Mm-hmm. Helping different civilizations regard honey as a very special substance. Mm-hmm. And uh, Shona, how are honeybees able to demonstrate a complex set of behavior patterns such as allocating duties between the colonies? What, what impels them to remain within certain parts of the hive and... Uh, you know, produce such astonishing quantities of honey? They're quite amazing bees. They're incredible, incredible little creatures. They're very complex social structures. And you can almost think of a a colony of bees rather than lots of individuals, but really it's sort of one super organism. So when the the bees are first born, when they they come out of the comb, out of the, the brood comb, they ha- they tend to have different duties with different ages so the very young bees tend to work inside the hive keeping it clean um, and helping to produce the honey when the bees get a little bit older they turn into foragers and so they are the ones who go out and collect either nectar or pollen or both they bring that back to the hive for for example with the nectar they pass that to some of the bees that are still in the hive in their sort of younger uh, part of their career development Mm -hmm. they pass that to them and then they together concentrate that nectar put it into the honeycomb ripen it into honey and then they put a little tiny wax cap on the top which sort of is a bit like making a little jar of honey and putting a lid on it so it's sealed from the outside world preserving it and that way the bees in the colony have different jobs and then when they get really old they they either become guard bees or they're still pardon me foraging and that um and that they pretty much do that until the end of their life, unless they're the queen, and then her job is to basically keep the colony going by laying eggs um, every day and and reproducing the colony. And um, since time uh, immemorial, honey has been used as a wound healing agent 
why is it that uh, honey is so effective you know uh, you know as a as a wound healing agent it has quite amazing medicinal properties and it almost sounds sometimes when i talk about it i feel like i'm sort of making this up or being a little bit crazy <laughs> but it has a, a bunch of uh properties that really help with wound healing so one of the things it does it has very significant antimicrobial activity or the ability to to kill germs it also maintains a moist environment and we know that moist wounds actually heal better. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, my dad used to say when he was a, a doctor, when you fall over, you know, you scrape your knee, let it dry out, that's better. But it actually isn't. It slows down the healing process. But you're also less likely to get infected if you let it dry out. <clears throat> so honey stops it getting infected but keeps it nice and moist. It also seems to actually stimulate some of our um, immune system and some of the healing processes that we have because we have all those natural processes in our bodies but it helps to stimulate that that process um, and it also produces basically a sort of a thick sticky barrier that stops it protects the really when your when your wounds are healing they're very, the tissues are very very delicate so the honey protects that from the outside world so to speak stops wound dressings you know the pads and things that you might need to put on top stops them from sticking and stops further damage. And it also mm -hmm. has anti-inflammatory properties. So when you hurt yourself, have a wound, there's a little bit of an inflammatory response at the beginning, which is really important. That helps draw the, the special types of cells and things into the wound bed to start that healing process and to help protect from infection. But mm. too much inflammation causes pain and also can slow down the healing process. So again, the honey can really help particularly with things like burns, with its anti-inflammatory properties. Mm -hmm. And uh, the the antimicrobial property found in most honeys uh, tends to be attributed to the production of hydrogen peroxide. So why why is it that uh, Manuka honey can exhibit appreciable antibi antibacterial uh, effects despite being a non-peroxide uh, honey? Manuka honey is a very special um, exception to the rule with how ha most honeys work. So most honeys are antibacterial because, as you said, because of that hydrogen peroxide, and that is produced by basically the behaviour of the bee. So they go out and collect that nectar, they bring it back to the hive and ripen it into honey. And then if you have a jar of honey sort of sitting on the shelf sealed, it doesn't actually have much hydrogen peroxide in it. However, if you mix that honey with moisture. So for example, because of the high sugar concentration of honey, if you put that onto a wound, um, it will draw moisture from your tissues and that moisture will react with an enzyme that the bees have added to the honey naturally and produce hydrogen peroxide. And we know hydrogen peroxide basically kills germs and it's very effective. And the way it works in honey, because it's produced by an enzyme, it's a sort of a slow release. So you're not putting mm -hmm. too much on your tissues cause damage you're um, just enough to kill the germs but not enough to hurt yourself with manuka honey we can sort of when we do experiments on honey we sort of can take the hydrogen peroxide out of the equation to see if there's any activity left and usually then there's nothing mm -hmm. but with the manuka honey which comes from a plant its scientific name is leptospermum scaparium and, that, and that's from new zealand and there are also other many other leptospermum honeys from australia have a similar thing they have something special in their nectar called mm. DHA. That actually stands for dihydroxyacetone, but it's a compound that naturally occurs in manu some manuka nectars. Mm. 
when the bees take that into the honey, as that honey sort of, sit, again, when we pop it into the jar, slowly that DHA naturally converts to another compound called methylglyoxal, or we just call it MGO, and that has really high levels of antimicrobial or germ-killing properties. So it's extra mm-hmm. on top of any hydroperoxide activity. Mm-hmm. And uh, last, <coughs> last but not least, um, apitherapy is uh, still a controversial branch of uh, alternative medicine. And do you think that there is an increasing need for further research and uh, careful consideration into the merits of honey and other herbal medicines? And also, if we if we did begin a slight transition towards traditional medicines like honey, uh, would the pharmaceutical industry be ready to deal with the shift? So that, that's a, a big question. <laughs> so um, it's a good one, though. So in apitherapy, there's lots of different types of apitherapy that sort of get put in one basket. So there is, for example, using honey on wounds, which is a lot of really, really good science on. But then there's some broader bunches like using bee sting to, to deal with diseases like multiple sclerosis um, or arthritis. That end of things is uh, much less scientifically robust, shall we say. Mm -hmm. However, using honey as a wound dressing, particularly to kill things like superbugs, these are the things, the the germs that we have in hospitals in particular, but even out in the community or nursing homes now that are resistant to our normal antibiotics and are getting kind of quite dangerous out there. and there's some really, really good evidence. And in fact, there are some companies that make a pro- completely properly registered um, wound dressings that are based on honey. So they they pass things like um, the FDA in America, or the they they have the EU mark in in, um, in this part of the in, in the UK or in Europe. Sorry, um, there's different regulatory systems, but they're actually marketed as proper medicines because of their wound healing properties. So there is some interest out there. The problem is there are so much, um, uh, so many uh, traditional alternatives, which are usually silver-based. Um, and because they're sort of entrenched in the medical systems, it's the first thing in general that clinicians will reach for because it's what they know, it's what they get a lot of advertising and information about. And for honey to sort of break into that market, it's very expensive to break into classic pharmaceutical market. But there is really, really good evidence that honey is a very good and effective wound dressing if you get the right kind of honey Hmm. um, and and put it properly on the wound, which isn't that hard. You just have to keep it in place. It is runny and sticky, which is a bit annoying to deal with, but people do formulations now where they impregnate it into special types of dressings. And it's certainly the only thing that I would use on a wound dressing on myself or any of my loved ones that I have any uh, uh, control over if they, they listen to my advice. <laughs> so it, it, it is getting out there. Um, mm-hmm. It's just a, it's a, you know, it's a hard nut to crack, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, well, Sean, I would love to speak to you more about this, but unfortunately that's all we have time for. But um, uh, thank you so much uh, for joining us today uh, and, uh, you know, enlightening, <laughs> this, you know, and giving your uh, expert uh, um, advice and information regarding this as well. So Thanks very much for having me. It was lovely, lovely to be here. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. So that was a um, short clip for our listeners, um, an interview conducted with uh, Dr. Shona Blair that we had previously conducted, who was the head of research strategy 
Faculty of Medicine at the Imperial College London University of Sydney. So, um, very interesting interview there. Uh, we're now slowly moving into the Islamic perspective of um, of honey um, and honeybees. And what what is the particular significance within Islam? And uh, uh, regarding that, um, is honey actually enjoys a special place in the traditions of Islamic medicine and cures and the Holy Quran. Um, it calls it a healing for mankind. So we read in chapter 16, verse 69 and 70, God Almighty says, And make thou houses in the hills and in the trees and in the trellises which they build. Then eat of every kind of fruit and follow the ways of thy Lord that have been made easy for thee. Then comes forth from their bellies a drink of varying hues. Therein is a cure for men. So the Holy Quran, it actually points to the importance importance uh, of honey type as well. So the, the word uh, where it says مُخْتَلِفًا alwanuhu, um, meaning that different colors or characteristics. So here it is well established that the primary detrimental of honey type and color is its floral source and the the holy quran it guides the curative powers of honey are actually locked behind the floral origin of honey and it behoves people to dwell deep into research on the different types of honey to unlock these cures as it states that it is a sign for people who reflect so thus the real progress in honey research would uh, only be made if we take this Quranic verse as our as our guiding principle in the field of honey research. So the, the success of Manuka honey is a prime example of the truth of this Quranic guidance. Manuka honey, it comes from a single floral source and its curative potential was unlocked as a result of decades of in-depth research by tireless New Zealand research led by Dr. Peter Molan. And they demonstrated the effectiveness and superiority of Manuka honey for its antimicrobial effects and wound healing. So, um, you know, it just goes to show you that uh, um, when we look deep into the words of the Holy Quran, the words of God Almighty, you will find a great uh, source of, uh, of benefit for the whole of mankind. And here, as it mentions regarding honey, that... Uh, you know the Holy Quran alludes towards uh, the you know where it mentions Mukhtalifan alwanuhu different colors or characteristics. So this, in fact, you know gives uh, gives great pathways to research within this field. Um, and uh, if we look into this, we'll find great evidence of of you know the benefits of honey and you know in particularly why the Holy Quran has mentioned it. Um, so we have another clip as well uh, with us. Um, so as I mentioned that we are slowly moving more towards the uh, you know, Islamic analysis of um, you know, what does Islam say with regards to the subject of honey. We do have a small clip um, on the question, what did Allah the Almighty reveal to the honeybee? And this is a question and answer session of the fourth caliph of the Amdiya Muslim community. May Allah have mercy on him. So we're just going to be listening to this now. Huzur, addressing the honeybees, uh, Allah says in the Holy Quran that uh, Fasluki Sobola Rabbike Zolola. So, 
what are the sobols of honeybee and what are what is zolona zolona means submissively and subol are all the ways allah has taught her preparing the honey from different flowers their dances the way they construct their houses and uh, the propolis they make everything is subol this is taught to honeybee the ways and means of doing things you understand or no you try your bangladeshi then yes. yeah. i think we slightly confused about the meaning of subol arabic it's not allah's roads but the path which allah has taught subol arabic means the path which allah has taught you you follow those paths so that was a uh, short clip from the fourth caliph of the amdiya muslim community azmazar tayron mela mercy on him on this particular subject um, imam farid uh, what what else uh, can we say on this particular subject uh, so as far as the bees are concerned this is in the holy quran and the name of the chapter is nahl which literally, tra- literally translates to the bee and it says in verse 69 that aw ha rabbuka ila nahl ina nahli inattakhizi min al-jibali so the translation is that and thy lord has inspired the bee saying make thou houses in the hills and in the trees and in the trellises which they are built now furthermore it says that therein is a cure for the man now islam here all as we have just learned as well from another clip that it's a cure for humanity and it says in the holy quran that shifaa lin nas that it has indeed a cure for humanity and the honey bee and the honey from the honey bees indeed is a blessing bestowed upon the people by their creator and islam in generally in general commands its followers to be kind to animals not just only to bees but to others as well and the reason is that uh, this it is uh, animals are essential for the humans and it says in the holy quran and uh, verse 6 of the same chapter that and the cattle too he has created and you find in them warmth and other uses and some of them you may eat as well so this verse also shows that we do indeed need animals in the past uh, it says in the holy quran as well that you use them for transport as well the it mentions the horses the mules and the donkeys but okay one can argue that nowadays we don't use them but as far as food sources concerned animals still are the main uh, source of food for many around the world especially where there not much vegetation or other natural sources that live highly upon animals and as far as treatment of animals is concerned that uh, our prophet muhammad peace be upon him be upon him it says in the holy quran that and we have sent you o muhammad not but as a mercy for all that exists it's it's the chapter 21 verse 108 Now the Prophet Muhammad peace and blessings of Allah be upon him was the embodiment of mercy he showed compassion to all those around him family orphans friends strangers and even enemies he also treated the environment environment and the animals with the respect and mercy he taught his followers that because animals were part of God's creation they should be treated with dignity and due care the traditions of prophet muhammad may be things of peace and blessings of allah be upon him remind us that humankind was put on this earth to be the custodian of god's creation treating animals with kindness and mercy 
is just one of the responsibilities embodied in that custodianship. Prophet Muhammad's words and behavior make it clear that causing defenseless creatures pain and suffering is not only completely unacceptable but will be answerable to God as well for such actions. And such a tradition is there as well. It's uh, the tradition is that if someone kills a sparrow for sport, the sparrow will cry out on the day of judgment, O oh Lord, this person killed me in vain. He did not kill me for any useful purpose. So Islam expert, expects humanity to treat all animals and all living creatures, including birds and animals living in the sea and even insects as well with respect and dignity. The Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, continuously advised people to show kindness. He forbade the practice of cutting nails, tails and manes of horses or branding animals at any spot, any soft spot and keeping horses settled unnecessarily. And furthermore, it says that the, the Prophet uh, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him says that any animal overburdened or ill fed he would speak mildly to the owner and says fear God in the treatment of the animals and in the pre-Islamic times the pagan uh, superstitious superstitions and polytheistic practices included acts of torture and cruelty to animals Islam condemned this and put a stop to all such practices when the Prophet Muhammad and his companions migrated to Medina they noticed the people cut off the camels humps and fat tails of sheep for food and the Prophet forbade them from doing that and he said that whatever is cut off an animal while is still alive is carrion and is unlawful to eat Great, thank you so much for that. So what we find is that the Holy Prophet, uh, peace and blessing of Allah, the Almighty be upon him, you know, he was a mercy for the whole of mankind, not only for humans alone, but uh, his mercy um, was also for the animals. Uh, and, and we see that through various narrations. So we're going to the news now, but don't go anywhere. We'll be back shortly after the news. You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. 
Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi Peace be upon you and welcome back to The Breakfast Show. You are joined by myself, Tukir, and Brother Imam Freed here from the studio of Voice of Islam. And uh, as you know, we're discussing the subject of honey. Um, and, uh, you know, we've discussed the research of honeybee lifespans are 50% shorter today. Um, so this is a very interesting uh, topic that we are covering. And currently we're looking at the Islamic anal- analysis of of this particular subject of honeybees and also, um, you know, just looking after the animals in general. Um, so Imam Farid, if you can uh, uh, please, uh, you know, carry on from what you were, what you were, um, you know, the, the points you mentioned, if you can uh, elaborate more on this, please. Uh, yeah, so before the break, I was mentioning the you know, treatment towards animals. And Islam, in particular, the Holy Prophet of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, also uh, commands uh, its fol- uh, the followers to be kind towards animals. And I was relating different incidents, and I've come across another incident where he says that he warned people against cruelty to animals and enjoyed kind treatment to them. He used to relate that the incidents were someone who punished was punished by God just for having starved her cat to death. So he also he also used to relate a story of a woman who found a dog suffering from thirst near a deep well. She took off her shoe and lowered it into the well and thus drew up some water. She gave the water to the thirsty dog dog to drink. This good deed earned her God's forgiveness for all her previous sins. And Hazrat Abdullah bin Masood, may Allah uh, be pleased with him, relates that while you were sitting in the course of, a, course of a journey along with the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, we saw two young doves in a nest and we caught them. They were still very small and when their mother returned to the nest, not finding her little ones in it, she began to fly wildly round and round. When the Holy Prophet of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, arrived at the spot, he observed the dove and said, If any one of you who has caught its young ones, he must release them at once to comfort it. <clears throat> this tradition is taken from the book of Abu Dawud and Sunan Abu Dawud. And furthermore, it says that Abdullah bin Masood, may Allah be pleased with him, also relates that... <clears throat> On one occasion, they observed an anthill and placing some straw on the top of it. They set uh, it on fire, whereupon they were rebuked by the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. On one occasion, the Prophet of Allah observed a donkey being branded on the face. He inquired the reason for this and was told that the Romans had record had this practice to do the for the purpose of identifying high bred animals the prophet then said that as the face is very sensitive part of the body an animal should not be branded on the face and that it is it has been is to be done if branding has to be done then it should be done on a place where it's not that soft uh, compared to the face and this is also taken from sunan Abu Daud and Sunan Tirmizi, the two books of uh, hadith or traditions. In other words, since then the Muslims always brand the animals on their hunches and following this Muslim practice. 
uh, Europeans also do the same as well. So this is what the teaching of Islam as far as protecting animals is concerned. So anything else? Yes, uh, we actually have a uh, another short clip of the fourth caliph of the Amdiya Muslim community. And uh, it is on the question of what are the miracles of honeybee from an Islamic perspective. And it is a very beautiful answer the the fourth caliph has given on this particular subject. So we do want to share that with our listeners. So let's listen in. A brother asked, uh, says that once in Turkey, it was uh, published uh, in some newspapers and magazines that the honeybee have written the name of God Almighty on the bee have uh, honeycomb. Big posters were published and sold in a great number in Turkey. What is Huzur's opinion about this so-called miracle? The real miracle of the creation of honeybee has been mentioned in the Holy Quran. In that miracle, no mention is made of honeybees being able to write La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. So what the Quran does not relate, they invent. But the real meaning of the Quranic revelation, they do not understand. Honeybee is a miracle in everything it does, in its constitution in its working, in its preparation of the honey, even in its preparation of the honeycomb. Amazing things are discovered by non-Muslim scientists which should have been discovered by Muslim scientists because no such verse as this verse as Oha Rabbukha is found in any other scripture in the world. And this is a challenge. No scripture at, of any prophet anywhere in, in history presents a verse like this which speaks of honeybee having been taught directly by Allah things which must amaze the entire universe or not the universe but the entire world of scientists. This is miracle. As I said, even the structure of the honeycomb is a miracle because it is built in a fantastic way which even uh, it's impossible for the scientists today with all the minute instruments available at their disposal to build the honeycomb cell by cell. Each cell where honey is stored is built of hexagon or octagon in which each wall which touches the other wall, all the walls keep touching each other without leaving any room, any... So it's a complicated thing. And this compact thing could not be built except in the form of those octagons or hexagons, I don't exactly remember, but either of the two. 
The point is the walls which are built are invariably the same as built by any honeybee all over the world. Minutely thin and the angle is perfect angle all over the world. This is very clever. So as I said, other, leaving other things alone, what, how honey is connected, how it is built, everything, every part of it and how the honeycomb atmosphere is maintained, maintained, how temperature is maintained, and how in summer the honey bees are taught by Allah to fan fresh air into the honeycomb cavity and so on. There's so many things which offer man wonders which he cannot understand. This is not one miracle, it's a multi-miracle. Amazingly wide and large and still scientists say we have not yet fathomed all the secrets of the honeybee colonies and what they produce. Now about the walls, some scientists worked with minute instruments and they could not find the slightest difference between honeycombs of one area and honeycombs of other areas and all over the world they found, tried to find the slightest difference, it was not found. How could blind evolution have produced such an animal? How the tiny brain of the honeybee could fathom the secrets of building the honeycomb and uh, in accordance with precise instruments without failing even in the slightest. Not a blemish can be found. So poor Muslims, unfortunately, the Muslims of today and particularly in Turkey, they are searching for a mozza of la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. Each miracle of the honeybee colony is acclaiming for those who can hear this voice. La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. Apparently it only says la ilaha illallah. But no, because the secrets of honeybee were revealed to Hazrat Muhammad Sallallahu So those who can hear this unsaid proclamation of the honeybees, or pronouncement of the honeybees, should include Muhammad Rasulullah in their hearing, in their understanding of what's happening. So this is a living miracle, not the writing on the honeycomb, that doesn't mean anything. You understand? And moreover, we cannot trust the authorities which are presenting this. If these are the miracles worth anything, then you should also include the miracles quoted by the Christians about the so-called Holy Mary, Holy Mary miracles and Holy Christ miracles and things. Then you accept all of their, their claims. And they claim of greater things than just writing of Kalima. They claim fantastic things about the miracles of Jesus and miracles of Mary.
they're meaningless because they do not produce the miracle of the Quran, which is real life. A miracle in real life, like I've described. Got it? So that was a um, short clip of the fourth caliph of the Amdiya Muslim community on the question of what are the miracles of honey be uh, from an Islamic perspective and a very beautiful answer that His Holiness gave on this uh, particular subject. Um, and uh, we also have a one final clip on this subject for you as well and this is with regards to our Jalsa Salana, our annual convention. Some of the listeners may not know that there is also a uh, beehive there so uh, let's let's uh, uh, you know let's listen in and uh, get more on this the, this is Jolsa jungle side no one's ever been here before apart from the beekeeper and uh, the guys that maintain the land you don't know that Oakland's farm is slap bang in the middle of the South Bay National Park so we have obligation as custodians of this land to, to do something interesting. And one interesting thing we've done, with the blessings of uh, Khalifa, he gave us uh, permission to put beehives on, on this land. And obviously in Islam, we, we love honey. We talk about it in the Quran and you know, there's a big interest. I've got a big garden and I got some beehives. And from there, I wrote to Hazur and said, can we have access to the land? It was blessed. As you see, we've got a 200 acre farm here and beautiful thistles and hedgerow, um, no pesticides here. Um, and these bees will fly up to three miles from this location. We've got about 20 beehives here and about 10 over there. And so as a natural function of beekeeping, a community will start off in a smaller box called a nucleus colony, uh, and then will grow. You know, at this moment, in the height of summer, there'll be lots of bees. But in the winter, the communities collapse down. In the summer, the bees will last six weeks. They generate loads, of, they'll be, the, the queen will be busy generating bees because they've got so much work to do. Bees themselves will make the, the, the honeycomb and, uh, and we put it in effectively like a, a, a professional, um, like a washing machine. It spins the honey out, so it cold extracted, goes through a filter to get rid of any wings or bits of wax and stuff like that. So there's nothing added to, the, to that honey. Whereas if you go to um, Lidl or somewhere and buy cheap honey, um, it's not pure honey, it's blended honey, and that's why April, May, you have to be here checking every six days. You have to physically come here, because if you don't inspect, and then you get, you've had seven days of rain. The first sunny day, the queen cells are ready and they will just emerge, and suddenly you'll lose your community and they will swarm. When we're inspecting, we're deciding, do we want to um, trick the bees into thinking they've swarmed? or you can generate another colony. And ultimately, there's a cost to the beekeeper. So there's a production cost of about five pounds. So you're really only giving five pounds to humanity first, and you're walking away with a magic golden product. You can have manuka honey, you can have this honey, you can have that honey. You know, look, at, look around you, the thistles, the trees, the hedgerow, you know, they've managed to make a wonderful product out of all that, so it's a beautiful, sweet product. Most of the time we do runny honey, but sometimes we get a lovely, um, soft set a creamy honey which is also fabulous so this is the humanity first stall this is all of our merchandise and this is the honey it's a beautiful product and like i say if you don't come to jelsa please come to ishtamar and if you don't do any of those you can still buy it online hfuk um, slash honey um, and then you can order and pick it up from us once you try it you will not uh, be disappointed you won't be going back 
Welcome back to uh, Voice of Islam Breakfast Show. Uh, you are listening to myself, Dukir and Imam Farid from the Voice of Islam studios. And um, we're just uh, looking at the Islamic analysis of this uh, particular subject. Um, as as we've listened to various clips you know, and uh, read from the Holy Quran as well, it is mentioned that Shifa'ul-Linnas, that it is a cure for the whole of mankind. So what does it mean when it uh, has used the word shifa? So the word shifa or cure means a cure for physical ailments as in other places in the Holy Quran the word has been used for the Holy Book for example it has also been mentioned in chapter 10 verse 58 chapter 17 verse 83 and also in chapter 41 verse 45 as a cure for spiritual ailments and not only that um, if we look at the narrations of the holy prophet peace and blessings of god almighty be upon him we find that he also used honey as a means of cure um, at, at various narrations for example uh, the holy prophet peace be upon him he advised muslims to use honey as a cure when he said that make use of two cures honey and the holy quran so uh, indeed you know the holy prophet peace and best of all almighty be upon him is known to have used it as a cure at another place there's another narration that a man came to the holy prophet uh, peace and best of god be upon him and said that my brother has some abdominal trouble and the holy prophet um, he said that let him drink honey and then the man came for the second time and uh, the prophet said to him that let him drink honey and he came for the third time and the prophet said that let him drink honey and he returned again and said that i have done that the prophet uh, then said that god has said the truth but your brother's ab abdominant ab has told a lie let him drink honey so he made him drink honey and he was cured so in this narration we find that it is also a cure when it comes to abdominal pain again at another place um it is narrated ibn abbas narrated that the prophet of islam uh he has said that healing is in three things a a gulp of honey cupping and branding with fire so uh, another uh, narration of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, which emphasizes that it is also a cure for mankind. And also, I wanted to also quote from the writings of the promised Messiah, peace be upon him as well. The promised Messiah, peace be upon him. More than a century ago, he highlighted the difference between normal sugar and honey by stating that honey is made by the revelation of God. Therefore, it should not be like other sugary things at all. If it, if if honey were like these, all these, uh, if if the if honey were like these, then all sugary things would be called cure for mankind. But this phrase has only been reserved for honey. Thus, this property of honey is proof of its uh, benefit and because it is prepared according to revelation the bee must only take beneficial substance when it sucks the nectar from the flowers so we find that uh, even the holy prophet peace be upon him has given that significance that it is a cure for mankind and similarly also the promised messiah peace be upon him as also uh, alluded to this fact um, i do believe that we are joined 
um, by one of our guests um, with us. We we have with us Kaleem Edwards and we listen to his interview at the Jalsa Salana. So without further ado, let's let's get him on. Asalaamu Alaikum, peace be upon you and well, thanks for I'm joining us. Delighted to Wonderful of you to play that and a bit of advertising as well for our Humanity First Honey that's still available. Seasonal gift for all your lamers, you know, so we have that available. So, no, thanks for thanks for having me on. I just want to, um, if there's any questions, I, I know that we, um, us beekeepers, are sometimes aloof characters, but if you've got any characters or any uh, listeners have, have got any burning questions for beekeepers, I'm here to help. Yes, we, we certainly do have some uh, questions for you. Uh, can you please tell us about uh, the honey you produce for Humanity First? Yeah, so basically it's all produced um, of hives in Hadika uh, Bumati down in Alton in Hampshire. So it's a wonderful um, natural uh, base for the bees. They, uh, they, 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 they maraud the, um, the hedgerows, uh, the blackberry bushes in the, uh, in the local common. So they've got a perfect natural environment uh, down, down, down there. And hopefully most of our listeners would have uh, 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 know where I'm talking about uh, down at uh, the, the, the site of the, the farm. It's in South Down National Park. So it's, uh, again, it's an amazing area. And we don't obviously use any pesticides down uh, on, on our property. Um, so there's no there's no issues and the bees thrive down there so so that's they're, they're the people that are they're, they're the, the bees are doing all the hard work um so we have about 20 hives there and looking to expand as as people um see the benefits of uh, of honey and, and and want to share in it so we're always trying to gear up a little bit and uh, we have a our friend hayden who who looks after the hives mainly uh, with some assistance from from us and, and he does all the uh, extraction and jarring so it's a very professional um run outfit mainly mainly due to hayden's professionalism um but um we're, we're very lucky fantastic and how can the proceeds uh, be used to benefit humanity yeah so basically uh, well a a we're we're all sharing for this wonderful resource so, so everyone that gets to taste the honey will will benefit as you as you discussed you know that the, the benefits of honey uh, um goes without saying and what we ask for is a, a is a is a donation of money towards the honey. So we give you the honey, you give us some uh, a ten pound donation, and it's available now in uh, the. Uh, well, it's going to be this weekend. We're going to have um, some honey available in the tuck shop at uh, the big mosque down in Tilford, at, um, there. So that's, uh, that's a new addition, a new sort of outlet for us, and and all the funds raised go into Humanity First. Now you know I'd hope most people are aware of um, the wonderful work that Humanity First do around the world. Uh, this goes to Humanity First UK, um, so all of all the profit profits from the honey go directly back into uh, serving the community and serving mankind uh, through Humanity First. And, and you know we're building a, a hospital in Ivory Coast, and we need to sell a lot of jars of honey to build our hospital. I tell you, fantastic. Now my colleague is with me. He also has uh, some questions that he wants to ask you. Hi, uh, Salam uh, The question is that. What are the benefits of honey, as in how can it benefit the humanity? Well, I, I, I would say that, um, you know, I don't know if you've discussed Torsif Khan's paper about, um, you know, the, the, the work that was published in the, even in The Independent. You know, he did a, an amazing paper of the medical benefits. So that, there's, that, there's those benefits um, that we get medically and also uh, the benefit to uh, humanity first as we, we're receiving the funds. So 
that then benefits mankind as we um, put water wells in Africa or do eye operation. All of the funds that we raised uh, for Humanity First and specifically the Honey Project are all going to uh, serving serving um, mankind, as it were. But honey, we know, is um, is full of full of benefits. Some would argue that um, a local honey is good for those with hay fever. Um, so if you're local to the Alton area, then you know that's that's helpful. Um, so, uh, but it's a it's a marvelous. Product. Have you tried it? My question to you, sir. Have you have you tried it? No, no, no. The next question is actually, where can we buy some? So, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It clearly shows that we haven't yeah. tried it. Uh, okay. Well, yeah. So that's a, a poor show on me that I haven't reached everyone in the in the community. Then, so, so basically, uh, if you go to the HF UK website, hfuk.org. Uh, forward slash honey, bang, up comes the web page, and now you can uh, pay your pay your money, and I will deliver the honey to um, the um, Western Europe's biggest mosque, Britain's biggest mosque down at Bethlehem. I often have people collecting honey from me there, or, or I leave it with the security department. So that's kind of how it works. And then also we're going to have um, an outlet down at the tuck shop, but um, mainly it's through Jolsa, uh, through the Jolsa Solana. We have a stall there, and any. Humanity first event will try and have a have a store for people to sell for cash, but as it stands at the moment, you can treat your neighbours and your uh, and your family members um, buy from me. So great, thank you so much, uh, brother Kaleem Edwards. Uh, always fantastic listening listening to you, especially when it comes to honey. Yes, exactly. Thank you very much. <laughs> Sweeten your day. Thank you. Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. That's the number to call if you do want to get in touch with us, or you can tweet to us at Voice of Islam UK. So um, we'll wrap this particular subject uh, and we'll move on to our next subject. But before I do that, I do want to just lead, read this last uh, abstract, which is taken from the five-volume commentary of this particular verse from chapter 16 verse 70 which we have been discussing and I, d- I wanted to share this with our listeners and uh, it, it says that the subject of the bee has been further elaborated in this verse uh, which we've discussed throughout this uh, particular segment and it says that God inspires the bee to collect its food from different fruits and flowers and then by means of mechanism provided in its body and by the methods revealed to it by God, it converts the collected food into honey. And the honey processes different colors and flavors but all its different varieties are highly useful for men and this fact suggests that revelation has continued to descend on prophets at different times and the teachings of one prophet differed in detail from the teachings of another. Nevertheless, all these revelations had this essential quality that they proved a means of moral and spiritual uh, regeneration for the people, peoples from whom they were designed. And at various places in the Holy Quran, the same word has been used with reference to the Quranic revelation as have been mentioned here with reference to honey. And honey provides a cure for the physical diseases of man. And the most essential quality of the Quranic revelation is also uh, that it is a cure for the spiritual maladies of man as well. So uh, with that, we'll conclude this uh, particular segment. Uh, We're now going into our second segment and... We're looking at uh, limiting global warming uh, now uh, can preserve valuable fresh water resource. So, Imam Freed, if you can uh, walk us through this particular segment, um, uh, what are we looking at? 
Oh yeah, so as we know that water is very important for life. So it says that a research team has found that in the Andean region of Chile, if I'm pronouncing it right, could face noticeable loss, uh, snow loss and roughly 10% less mountain water runoff with a global warming of approximately 2.5 degrees Celsius compared to pre-industrial levels over the next three decades. The study also shows that what happens in Andes could be a harbinger of what it is to come for California Sierra Nevada, Sierra Nevada mountain range and highlights the importance of carbon mitigating strategies to prevent this from occurring. The snow-capped mountains not only look majestic, they are vital to the delicate ecosystem that has existed for tens and thousands of years. The mountain water runoff and snow melt flows down to streams, rivers, lakes and oceans today. Around a quarter of the world depends on these natural sources for water to replenish the downstream reservoirs and groundwater aquifers for urban water supplies, agricultural irrigation and ecosystem support. And furthermore, it says that the well, the value, this well, but this valuable freshwater resource is in danger of disappearing. And the reason is that the planet is now around 1.1 degrees Celsius or 1.9 degrees Fahrenheit warmer than the pre-industrial levels and the mountain snow packs are shrinking. Last year, this, a study co-led by Alan Rhodes and Erica, research scientists in the earth and environmental sciences areas of Lawrence and Berkeley National Laboratory, found that if global warming continues along the high emission scenarios, low to no uh, snow winters will become a regular occurrence in the mountain ranges of the western U.S. in 35 to 60 years. Now, in a recent nature climate change study, <clears throat> a research team had led by roads from found that if global warming reaches around 2.5 degrees compared to pre-industrial levels, mountain ranges in the southern mid-latitudes and the Andean region of Chile in particular will face a low to no snow future between the years 2046 and 2051 or 20 years earlier than the mountain ranges in the northern mid-latitudes such as the the Sierra Nevada or the Rockies. Low to no snow occurs when the annual maximum water stored at the snowpack is within the bottom 30% of the historical conditions for a decade or more. The researchers also found that low to no conditions would emerge (coughs) in the southern mid-latitudes at the third of the warming than in the northern mid-latitudes. In another major finding, the researchers learned that such a low to no snow future coincides with roughly 10% less mountain runoff in both hemispheres during wet and dry years. Such diminishing runoff would be particularly devastating for uh, particularly devastating for the agricultural regions ar- already parched by multi-year droughts. Now, the California's current drought is entering its fourth year, according to the U.S. Drought Monitor. More than 94% of it, the state is 
in severe extreme, severe extreme or exceptional drought. Shrinking groundwater supplies and municipal wells throughout the state are severely impacting the San Joaquin Valley and state's agricultural heartland. And Chile, with the experts, approximately exports approximately 30% of its fresh fruit production every year with much of its ship to the United States. It is in the midst of a historic 13-year drought. Great. Now, Thank you so much for that, uh, uh, Imam Farid. Uh, we will go more into the detail of this as well, but um, we do have a um, small clip on this particular subject on looking after the environment. Um, and the question, what relationship should humans have to the environment? And uh, are we called... To, uh, and, and are we called to be stewards of the environment under the Islamic teachings or is the environment just there for our exploitation and use uh, so we're going to be listening to this uh, short clip for our listeners and that's in relationship to the our human relationship with the environment our interaction with it and he says that are we called to be stewards of the environment under the Islamic teachings um, and he also asks that or is the environment just there for our exploitation and use well, Allah the Almighty is the creator of all, the creator of the universes, more than one, is, is the master and that he has created all for is for our benefit. And this is what he mentions in the Holy Quran that all that has been created has been created, created for man. And obviously something that has been gifted to us, whenever someone gives a gift to a person, that person is expected obviously to cherish it if he loves that person and to look after it and, and try to maintain it in the condition that was given to him. This is the gift that has been given to us. So the universe is a gift that Allah the Almighty actually has given to the human race as such. And everything that has been put in it has been put in it with a specific purpose. Everything that God has created has been created with purpose and nothing is without purpose. And that is for the benefit of man who is the greatest of the God's creation. So this planet is, is, uh, is the place of our abode in this life and it is the duty of every man to be able to look after and cherish that planet and to make sure that the balance that God has created in the, in, in the universe is not disturbed in any, in any respect. And that brings you to the question of uh, the environment and how man looks after the environment and this is something that we know that uh, is now fully researched as how man destroys the environment and what needs to be done to make sure that we are not uh, harming the in environment as In Surah Rahman Allah says, Ash-shamsu wal kamaru bi husban wa najmu wa shajaru yasjudan wa sama arafa aha wa wada al mizan So you know God is pointing out to us that the sun and the moon run their courses according to their fixed times. And the stemless plants and the trees submit to him, even the tiniest of stemless plants that they are, submit to God Almighty as, as the creation. The heaven he has raised high above and set up as a measure that you may not transgress. This is the important thing, that you must not transgress the measure. Mm -hmm. And this is Allah, the Almighty pointing out to us that the universe, in fact, has been created with good measure and man must not do anything that will upset that measure, upset that balance. So it is our responsibility, each individual person, each society, each community 
has this responsibility of looking around them and see how one must pay due regard, due attention to looking after the environment as such. And we know that there are many things that we are aware of now uh, which man must do in order to make sure that yes, he uses the uh, uh, universe, the world as has been given to him and takes benefit of all that has been provided by God Almighty, but he does not misuse that to that degree. We talk about uh, deforestations, obviously, in parts of the world where trees have been cut down, you know, on a scale and all the issues that they have caused uh, in those parts and other parts is something that we are well, well aware of. The Holy Prophet <coughs> you know, he discouraged uh, Muslims that when you go to war, when you conquer, you should not cut down trees, fruit-bearing trees. And you know, that was given 1400 years ago. And now man is now realizing the importance of maintaining this balance by not cutting down trees unwantonly. And he gave uh, uh, advice on a Muslim that he, when he plants a tree, he looks after it, it bears fruit, birds eat of it, then that Muslim is rewarded for that good act that he has done. And that actually shows us the actual life cycle of, of different, uh, different uh, creatures who will benefit from that one act of that one person. Then we have wastage, you know, this is an, or water wastage. Water is an essential part of this universe that we have, and it's an essential part of our life. And this is something that we have always to look after. So wastage of water is something that obviously one needs to be well aware of so that it does not create problems in, in that nature. So man as an individual has been given the custodianship of this planet and it is his responsibility. And the Holy Prophet Sallallahu 1400 years ago has pointed these out to us and it is our responsibility to make sure that we are abiding by the true nature and teachings of Islam. Unfortunately, we see some events in recent past in, in certain parts of the world where so-called Muslims actually have disregarded all these teachings, not in just terms of the religion of Islam and the practices of Islam, but also with regard to the environment and are damaging the environment in that respect. So that is something that we all need to be wary of, that uh, it is a, a, a gift from God, a gift that we must cherish and continue to uh, seek the benefits and rewards of that in environment. So that was a short clip from Faith Matters um, and uh, Dr. Zahid Khan was explaining how um, we as human beings, you know, we are the custodians of this planet and as, uh, as custodians of this planet, you know, we have a duty also to look after the environment and uh, we should care for it and uh, not pollute it. Um, and you'll see that uh, as we are in the month of December, um, you will see that uh, especially the Ahmadiyya Muslim community um, on New Year's Day, or, um, that the Ahmadiyya Muslim community around the world, they take part in cleaning the streets um, in UK, Germany, Indonesia, in various parts of the world. And uh, this has sort of become a tradition within the Ahmadiyya Muslim community that... Um, you know where where the the you know the the whole streets are filled with uh, with so many people and they're partying uh, throughout the night. Um, you know it is the Amdiya Muslim community that will 
start that new year's uh with remembering god almighty by voluntary praying and then coming to the streets and uh just cleaning and uh, that itself uh you know serves as a great example uh, as muslims that you know we should look after the environment um so you know as mentioned by dr zaid khan that you know we being as custodians of this planet you know we we have a duty towards it um imam farid any anything else you you wanted to um you want to say on this particular subject any islamic analysis you wanted to give on this well, as we know that uh, water is very essential for life in fact there's no life without water in other words so as far as preserving water is concerned the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam has also laid a lot of stress upon the fact that we need to preserve our water supplies and it says in one of the tradition uh, narrated by abdullah bin amr uh, may Allah be pleased with him that the messenger of allah may peace and blessings of allah be upon him said that saad while he was performing ablution or wuzu the prophet said that what is this extravagance saad said that this is a extravagance with water in ablution the prophet uh, replied that yes even if you were to be on the bank of flowing river so this tradition clearly shows that even if you are at a place where a sample of water still don't waste it so this is the you can say the explanation given by the holy prophet sallam or demonstration given by the sallam to other companions as well is that do not waste water and furthermore it says that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam would perform ablution with one half a kilogram of water which is mud in arabic and he would perform a ritual bath with 2 kilograms of water and you can say in, in just to show you that how much he would conserve as far as water is concerned so even when he has to with ablution it uh, means that washing your face hands uh, arms and your head as well not mm, washing your head but you can say just touching your head and then the feet as well all that with just one uh, half a kilogram of water so it says in sahih muslim another book of you can say uh, traditions a hadith in other words it says that in these me- mentioned traditions we notice how the prophet uh, peace and blessing of allah be upon him was careful in utilizing natural resources as as basic as water using in minimal amount of water whatever whenever possible is encouraged and is positive approach to our research, uh, resources even so it is involved in in it involves performing rituals for worship such as ablution or wuzu and obligatory bath or ghusl we are taught by the prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him to practice moderation moderation use only what is needed and avoid wasted so wasted water affects the environment greatly and could potentially cause huge problems for the world uh, and its inhabitants as such conserving what we have can will help combat the unnecessary wastage this could be this could also be practiced in our food consumption through our daily through our daily lives and electricity usage and other you can say appliances as well so we need to be very you can say moderate in using these resources and furthermore it says that in the holy quran in the same chapter chapter nahl all chapter of bees that huwa allazi anzala minas samaa'i maa'an lakum minhu sharaban wa minhu shajaran fihi tusimun 
and the translation is that it is this is the verse 11 he is the one who sends down water for you from the clouds out of it you have your drink and you grow from it and you grow from it the trees and your pasture and your cattle and it says in the commentary that the arabs were the first addressees of this verse of the holy quran and the arab and in arabia water was scarce so they have been told in this verse that the water which is source of all life and which brings out food and vegetation for them and their cattle is indeed a great gift of god and repeat and reaping the repeating this argument embodied in the preceding verse and the present verse goes on to say that when god has made ample provision for the physical needs of man he could not have neglected the, to provide for him as for his spiritual needs as well also that when men man uh, very gladly accepts and uses all the physical provisions made for him why should he decline to make similar use of god's spiritual gifts and furthermore i was uh, watching uh, an islamic scholar he beautifully demonstrated the fact that how we often waste water so he said that the people he observed that the people visit the mosques and pray and before that before they could pray they perform wuzu or ablution and he observed that they keep the tap open the entire time so he said that once you have washed your hands turn the tap off and then open it again when you want to wash your face uh, faces or any other part of the body so he basically said that we need to stop wasting water in other words because uh, if you keep the tap open and running while you are away and you're not using it it's no point just turn the tap off and open it again yes it might just take you um, two to four seconds longer but it will save a lot of water in the long run so this is on the preserving of water is concerned great thank you so much for that uh, imam farid and as we are discussing this uh, particular subject of the environment, uh, I think it's very important to mention that, uh, you know, instead of um, using the uh, cars or, you know, having, having uh, uh, you know, such vehicles uh, where, you, you know, you would pollute the environment um, and take unnecessary journeys, even if it's a mile away, you know, we should uh, try to, keep ourselves physically active and uh, that way we'll be helping the environment as well as you know the holy prophet peace be upon him at one place he has mentioned that that a healthy believer is better than a weak believer and uh, meaning that uh, we should look after our physical health and if we do look after our physical health then we will be able to perform our, all our other tasks. We'll be able to, um, you know, give our due time to our work. We should, we'll be a lot more active towards our prayers. We can uh, we can stay focused as well because if someone who is a lot lazy, it's very difficult to perform these tasks. And regarding uh, keeping healthy, the, the third caliph of the Amdiya Muslim community, Hazrat Mr. Nasir Ahmed, may God Almighty uh, have mercy on him. He has in, he has various places encouraged uh, the uh, the youth that you know they should take up cycling. So I wanted to go through some of the quotes that he has mentioned at uh, various places. For example, at one place he mentioned uh, regarding the benefits of cycling. He said that why 
do you stand for buses and waste your time? Exercise, become healthy and ride a bicycle. I have said it before and I say it again today in a short time, I want 100,000 Ahmadi cycles. An Ahmadi cycle is that which is ridden by an Ahmadi. And these 100,000 Ahmadi cycles should have the ability to cycle up to 100 miles a day. At another place, on the 2nd of November 1973, the 3rd Caliph, he said, and I quote, that there are thousands of other of other advantages to cycling too for example many have to go for household errands or shopping and if you have a cycle you will save a lot of your quality time and the following glad tidings will also be fulfilled in your person that was given to the promised messiah uh, peace be upon him in these words that you are the sheikh the messiah those t whose time shall not be wasted thus we have to be attentive towards saving time saving and obtain maximum benefit from little time available so that those blessings may be fulfilled in ourselves as well also um, if we look at uh, other other narrations if we look at for example it is narrated regarding the second caliph of the amdi muslim kuti um, that he used to travel out of Qadian for hunting uh, a, and, and once participated in a race with his children and servants uh, on the bank of Bayas. Um, it is also narrated that uh, during Shura on the 31st of March 1973, His Holiness said that cycling is an excellent form of exercise for maintaining good health. So this is, a, this is again uh, the third caliph of the Amdiya Muslim community, Azam is a Nasir Ahmed, may, may uh, Allah have mercy on him. He said that uh, cycling is an excellent form of exercise for maintaining good health. And if one rode a bicycle slowly, one would be able to cover a distance of up to 100 miles a day. And uh, the Khudam, the, the youth of the Amdiya Muslim community, for all over from Pakistan, they came to attend Shura on bicycle. So the event which took place in the third, 31st of March, 1973, many of the youth, they came all over Pakistan to attend that particular event on bicycles. So he was he says regarding them that if cycling became a habit, when the need arose, our youth would immediately meet the need without waiting for other means of transport, such as cars. Also on the 19th uh, July, 1973, during his visit to the UK, His Holiness gave the community the target of training 100,000 active cyclists within seven years. And this scheme has spread to various parts of the world. And on the occasion of the annual convention in Benin in 2007, it is said that 23 members from four regions around the country came on bicycles covering a difficult journey of 117 kilometers to attend that annual convention. And uh, finally, on uh, on this particular subject that we are discussing, um, not only was the third caliph, uh, did he mention that you should cycle, but also if we look at his life, if we study his life, he was also a keen sportsman. And he regularly took part in a variety of sports from an early age. And once he also mentioned that I enjoyed playing hockey. Also, whenever I get the chance, I would participate in several other games, such as football, volleyball, tennis, squash, kabaddi, miru dabba, a balancing game, guli danda, 
a bat and a ball game and Kali uh, Padkana is, is that how you pronounce it Imam Farid uh, never heard of it okay. I've never heard of so it so this is a, a form of um, arm wrestling so uh, you know there are many uh, many streams near Kadian he further said that there are many streams near Kadian where I w- would often go for swimming and I re- regularly uh, went for long walks as they are an excellent form of exercise Uh, so that is from the monthly uh, the Shizul Azan magazine in uh, Nasir Deen edition page 14 so uh, yeah with that uh, we'll close this uh, particular segment we do hope that you've enjoyed our discussion here uh, we've talked about honey bee lifespan as 50% shorter today um, and uh, for this particular segment we also Uh, did listen to an expert on this as well. Uh, we listened to Dr. Shona Blair, who was the head of re- who is the head of research strategy faculty of medicine at Imperial College London, from University of Sydney. She, you know, she uh, mentioned some really good points on this particular subject, and also we covered the subject of limiting global warming. Now, can preserve valuable fresh water uh, resource, um, and for this. Uh, we also played a clip uh, for our listeners from our uh, from our program Faith Matters, which comes on MTA. So um, we do hope that you've enjoyed the show. We wanted to thank uh, the producer Sakib Munir and Barira Mansoor for their hard work, and also the team of researchers Hena Ahmed, Saleh Latif, um, Neha Latif, and Saleh Bakhtiar. So thank you so much for a a great show that you have prepared. And also, uh, last but not least, uh, my my co-presenter Imam Farid, for for uh, some great ana- Islamic analysis from your side. And lastly, um, uh, Habib Sadik for our from our tech team for his uh, work. And until next time, um, is Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. May the peace and blessing of Allah the Almighty be upon you all.